Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome to Sports Day. Great to have your company. Me, Carl Langdon and Mark Reddings with you. And we've got a cricket match that is about to get underway. And Tom Moody to join us on the program shortly. So looking forward to having a yak uh, to him. And uh, we've also got uh, plenty of other news that's bubbling around. Of course, we have seen that uh, Adam Zampa has got COVID in the lead-up to this game tonight. And we've also got a return to work for Chris Fagan, which was only announced around half an hour. So, Skeet, plenty of other news to talk about tonight. Welcome. Yes, good evening, Carl, and to our listeners. uh, Plenty of sport, and as you said, despite the fact that we've got a World T20 Cup match happening on our doorstep at Optus, or shall I say Perth Stadium, uh, it's a night at 7 o'clock. Footy news is still very much prevalent, particularly with the fact that uh, Chris Fagan back at the lines, and also Alistair Clarkson has come out and has publicly stated that he uh, is very much looking forward to putting his side of the story with regards to the allegations that are levelled at Hawthorne and uh, racism and all that's gone on in the past uh, four or five weeks, which has been uh, damaging, hurtful to so many parties, and hopefully uh, we get a resolution in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, the one thing that we have seen here is uh, that the AFL has been working uh, behind the scenes uh, quite diligently, and, uh, you know, the the latest announcement today, Skeet, was around the independent review with Associate Professor Paul McCrory. Uh, what we do know on that front is that um, essentially the work that he did with the AFL uh, in relation to the plagiarism that uh, was announced within that uh, and connected with that research and that medical work was not associated with the work that he did with the AFL. So that was really important. That was something that was achieved uh, out of uh, the back of that independent review. But what they did say is that there was significant delays in the communication of the progress of the research Research, in the reporting of the clinical results and the advice from the medical practitioners back to the past player patients, which a number of us, including me, Skeet, I must say that I've been involved in uh, some of this going back over the years with the AFL Players Association and you're asked a series of questions and you don't necessarily get too much feedback, but they take those results and they put it into the data going forward. So uh, very interesting to um, see the outcome of that and there was an apology made by Andrew Dillon from the AFL today. It is one of the big issues in footy. Uh, we know that that's uh, not going to go away uh, and that the health and safety of of players is absolutely of paramount importance and uh, that will be a story we'll keep track of in the next uh, few weeks. But as you say, Carl, we've got a, a big game of cricket and particularly important for Australia after that disastrous opener against New Zealand. Tom Moody, a former WA cricket and Australian all-round great, joins us for a chat before our 7 o'clock start tonight at Perth Stadium. Moods, thanks for your time. No problems at all, guys. Good to be with you. 
Let's jump straight into the, the talking point, the Australian lineup, and particularly Adam Zampa, who has been diagnosed with COVID. Uh, you'd suspect highly unlikely he'd play. Um, thoughts on that? Yeah, look, unfortunately in the world we live in at the moment, it's those type of things are out of our control and in a way inevitable. So it's a big setback for Australia because, you know, Zampa was the leading wicket-taker for Australia in the in the last World Cup. Uh, he's an important part of the balance of their side. A lot of people talk about the, the fast bowling cartel and what they bring to the table. But for mine, in white ball cricket, the most important bowler is Adam Zampa. So if he doesn't play, it's a big, it's a big loss. That first performance against New Zealand from Australia, an aberration or cause for concern? I think a bit of both. Uh, I, you know, I, I sort of have said right at the beginning of this World Cup, I think Australia are good enough to be playing in the final, whether they win it or not, you know, that, that's, that's another thing. But I think on paper, they look a very, very good side. But the, the concern I had, uh, and it just gathered momentum leading into the very first game of this World Cup was Australia weren't winning enough games. Uh, and whether we like it or not, we've all been involved in sport at any sort of level. It doesn't have to be at the at the elite level, but uh, winning uh, and losing become habits. And Australia at the moment are in the, you know, unfortunately, in the losing uh, habit and they're not getting things over the line. You can boast about the... The, the personnel you've got, the power hitting you've got and the, the world-class players you may have. But at the end of the day, you've got to win games of cricket. Are you happy with the lineup, Tom? I mean, I wasn't necessarily that happy with the way that we rolled out in that first match. Um, you know, we've got the veterans at the top of the order. There'd been a little bit of in and out. So we've seen Finch, you know, whilst he made runs in the lead-up game prior to that, he'd been in a pretty dry spell. We saw Cam Green get an opportunity, did really well in some of those warm-up matches up there in Queensland. And then all of a sudden, with uh, Joshy Inglis getting injured, he gets added to the squad. Um, were you happy with the, the way they lined up uh, on paper in that first game? Yeah, I think they've played um, uh, their best team. Uh, given that they've decided to uh, persevere with Aaron Finch, regardless of you know his in and out of form uh, of the last six to twelve months in white ball cricket, um, you know, once they decided to commit to him, I think they had no other choice but to play him. Given, particularly given he's the captain of the side and ever he's got the backing of the management and the players, so. I think they, they they have got the best um, playing eleven on the field. Uh, yeah, look, we all know what Cam Green's capable capable of doing, and we all know what future he's got in front of him. But at the end of the day, he wasn't in the original squad. Uh, so I think calling for Cam Green to be in the playing eleven, um, you know, now I think is is calling on false hope. You know, we. we you know, you could argue the point that maybe, you know, they should have looked at him in T20 cricket 12 months ago and just seen what he can actually bring to the table. But you've also then got to argue that on the other side, well, Australia are world champions in this format of the game. Stoinis has done a great job. Mitch Marsh has done a great job. And Maxwell has also done a good job. Um, it's good to see Mitch Marsh back bowling again tonight. I think that's going to add an extra dynamic to the bowling attack and, and balance to the side. But, uh, yeah, I think they have got the best 11. 
And you didn't mention Steve Smith. There has been some chat about whether he deserves to come into the side. Even a comparison made when India were four for 30 and Virat came and played out of his skin or certainly played one of those innings that we've seen from him, that Steve Smith could have played a similar role, if not a spectacular. Do you buy into that argument that some solidity from Smith in that middle order just to shore up if there's a, a collapse? Uh, I don't really know because Steve Smith's record in T20 cricket is nowhere near what Virat Kohli's is um, or, you know, many other sort of those sort of, you know, Kane Williamson's of the world. We all know what Steve Smith's capable of doing in Test cricket and 50-over cricket, but at the end of the day, Steve Smith, so far in his T20 career, has a strike rate of about 125 at an average of 25. If he had a strike rate of 125 and an average of 50, we're having a conversation, but that's not the case. Um, he's for, for whatever reasons, he hasn't quite nailed down T20 cricket, um, but uh, you know, I don't think that would have made any difference whatsoever in that first game. Sri Lanka haven't set the world on fire getting into this tournament. Um, is it just uh, rock up Australia tonight and get it done? Well, that's probably what they thought in Sydney, didn't they? Uh, and, uh, they, <laughs> they rocked up and then rolled out very quickly. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I don't think that at all. I think Sri Lanka um, in big events have always been a threat. Uh, the record also um, would... Uh, certainly indicate that as well they've you know they've won a number of world cups uh, in 50 over cricket and 20 over cricket so they're a dangerous side look yes they don't boast the names of the former greats of Jar Wardner, Murli Duran, Sangakkara, Chaminda Vas, uh, Jai Saria all these types of guys but that doesn't mean that they can't cause uh, an upset tonight or be a threat tonight and um, so it's going to be an intriguing contest because uh, Sri Lanka are tricky with their various spinning options they have and Australia are on the back foot. It's going to be interesting. Are they going to come out all guns blazing or are they going to be a little bit more um, cautious with their approach? Tommy, I know we've got to let you go because you've got other work to do and thank you very much for joining us off the top of Sports Day here on RD2 6PR. India and Pakistan, it was enormous the other night. Are you an advocate for playing a neutral test match at the MCG? There seems to be a little bit of a, a toe in the water now uh, to try and get an event like that back at the MCG. Oh, I'd love to see it. You know, I, put, put it this way, whether it's the MCG or Lords or wherever it is around the world where we can get these two cricketing giants on the same stage in a test match or a 50-over game or a T20 game, uh, it, it's it's just intriguing uh, viewing. And I, and I think, you know, I haven't seen the numbers yet, but I, I'd be surprised if that wasn't the most viewed um, cricketing match of all time uh, the other night. And both teams did it justice. It was an incredible spectacle. Um so, yeah, look, bring it on. As, as I said, wherever it is, it's just great to see, you know, two cricketing nations that uh, are passionate and have such a great history in the game play in such a good spirit. Thanks for your time. My pleasure.
Good on you. Tom Moody here on Sports Day. Uh, he's got other commitments because uh, he is broadcasting to the world himself, uh, working with Crick Info. Uh, that's what he'll be actually doing right now, is uh, rolling into his broadcast. But nice of him to join us in the lead-up to the match tonight. You can watch the T20 Cricket World Cup on KO Sports. I'm sure that uh, for those of you that are winging your way home, you might be taking up that opportunity because it's a nice, uh, cheap way to watch any sport. In fact, uh, all the AFL and everything is on there, but you can certainly watch the T20 World Cup on KO Sports. You can also so watch it on uh, nine as well. So uh, they have got uh, plenty of options these days to actually get involved in it and the action tonight. And of course, if you'd like to get involved with the dig, one double three eight eighty two. Don't dig blind. Check before you dig every time. Speaking of cricket, Tim Payne's had a bit of a dig in his autobiography, talking about uh, how perhaps uh, the team let down the likes of Steve Smith, Cameron Bancroft, David Warner after Sandpaper Gate, and he also came out and suggested the South Africans themselves were guilty of uh, tampering with the ball, the test match after the drama uh, occurred uh, when all hell broke loose over there in South Africa. So his autobiography, I know it's to sell books, but pretty strong words, and off the back of that, mentioned that Justin Langer was also hung out to dry. So he's gone down swinging, has Tim Payne. Yeah, well, he, he also uh, revealed in the statements that he made that uh, he wasn't supported at all by Cricket Australia and that they had essentially given him a promise that uh, they would. So uh, really intriguing stuff. Wonderful 3 who do you want to have a dig at? Are you going along to the cricket tonight? You might already be sitting there listening to 882 6PR or anything else that's on your mind. It's already approaching 20 after 6. This is Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Let's get into the calls, one double three eight eighty two, and we'll update uh, some more of uh, the sport as uh, the night goes on. I can tell you uh, that uh, the Brisbane Heat are closing in on victory, although rain has stopped playing that match. Uh, Sydney Thunder, 7 for 139 in the WBBL off their 20 overs. Brisbane Heat, 5 for 120 off 17.2 when rain has stopped play. So that's interesting. Only 19 runs left to score, but what does that mean under the Duckworth Lewis sister, he has perennially sent me emails and they go on for paragraphs of abuse around Australia and Australian sport and how rubbish we are. I think they may have been dumped, those couple of words that okay. just rolled into the program. Very good. But you know what? It's interesting that he sticks his head up whenever to the radio station I'm talking. He'll send the emails and you know what? Quite, quite interestingly also, mm. they actually come from all these random different email addresses. So he's, he, 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 he switches, he switches his email addresses. Um, and so he, he always sticks his head up when England come to town. What I laugh at is he's, he's boasting about winning 3-0, a series yeah. that was essentially a warm-up series. And look, they played very well. England, they may well win yeah. the T20 World Cup, but at this point, at this point, Australia are the defending champions. Yeah. Australia has the ashes in their grasp. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's still some work to do for, uh, our English friend before he gets some joy. And, and, and the thing is, is that he always sends me this vitriol and it goes on for paragraphs of how much he hates Australia. Go home then. <laughs> Go home, seriously. I mean, I can say that with absolute certainty. I am married to an English woman who I love dearly, but I am yeah. telling you, if you don't like this country and you think it's a, a dog of a place to live in, just jump on the plane. Carl will pay for your flights and you go home. <laughs> Next call, John in Butler. Hi, John. Have a dig. 
couldn't agree more and sorry about our English friend if he doesn't like it yeah go back to Tommy Lang um, let's, let's have a dig though at whoever's responsible for the ticketing tonight because it's been obvious for the last couple of days that it's not going to be a sellout and it's a shame there was an opportunity to fill the stadium there whether it's the ICC or Cricket Australia surely there was an opportunity um, even last week if they'd have known advance sales was 20,000 and maybe you're going to sell an extra 5,000 in the week leading up to the game but it was going to be obvious that it's only going to be 50% full so there's going to be 30,000 tickets going begging just put a call out to the local clubs and the local kids get them in there even if it means you're paying your Ticketek administration fee just fill the stadium um, and let's have a showcase at least for TV around the world, that we love our cricket and we're passionate about our cricket. And not least then, it's the caterers and the other people in the stadium. Let's just fill the place. And I just think it was a missed opportunity to fill the place tonight. Even though it's a a Tuesday and a school day, we could have just and should have just got the place full. Yeah, John, I appreciate you calling. Look, some of those ideas have... Have merit. Look, tonight, kids' tickets are are $5, so that's that's pretty good for an international. In fact, very good. Up to 16 years of age and under. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's a that's a win. Mm. But some of the ticket prices for adults, how are we place yeah, there? Yeah, well, so a category A, which say, you know, and for most of those people that actually know the ground, uh, if you want a good spot like block 124 or 115114, uh, which are basically at the side of the field, uh, you're probably fielding it uh, long on long off and down at third man and uh, fine leg from the position that I'm looking at with the rotation of the pitch, that's $110, but that's a category that's a category A seat a category b is 90 dollars now that's more out at uh, say mid wicket mm-hmm. um and and mid on you know uh, there's a couple sort of wide mid on mid off uh in that particular spot a category c seat tonight skeet is 60 dollars now they're almost exhausted there's some up in the high blocks in the 550s 530s there's still a couple in block 109 uh that's category c and then category d which are up in the bleachers uh 504 three uh, they are thirty dollars for an adult five dollars for children but uh, they're a fair way from the action up there um, but you know in the end has it been too expensive for those going on I, mean, I must say a category A seat which are in great spots close to the action are similar to what it costs to go along to see an AFL game yep. it's marginally marginally more expensive, and there's no way the kids are getting in for five bucks. It's strange start time, I've got to say. Look, and we always whinge about start times in WA for footy being too early, people not able to get from work to the ground. Well, this is 7pm, which mm. is 10pm Eastern Standard Time, so from Australian viewing perspective on the East Coast, it's very late for a, a weekday night, and for Perth people, they had some complaints about it being too late for, for kids. So it is a difficult one. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm not so sure that the Australian team at the moment, I think they might be a bit on the nose, Carl. Just from the last couple of weeks with the sponsorship dramas and, um, yeah, there's there's probably not as much love as what we would like there to be for a team that obviously is uh, high-performing but is coming off a very bad loss to New Zealand. But let's hope people get there because we want international cricket here regularly and if we're getting less than 20,000 tonight to watch a World Cup match between Australia and Sri Lanka, that's a fail. Let's update some sport. Thanks to Kay. Don't miss uh, risking all your team's matches on the T20 World Cup. You can see that all on KO Sports. So what we can tell you is that Robert Harvey has rejoined the St Kilda Football Club as an assistant coach. He'll join his premiership, well, his, um, his not premiership, but uh, his wonderful teammate, Lenny Hayes. Corey Enright, a premiership team, uh, premiership teammate from Geelong. Uh, Ross Lyon and the 
Executive General Manager of Football and Jeff Walsh. So they will all start on the 1st of November there. Alex Dimanua, Thanasi Kokonakis, Matt Ebden, Matt Purcell, they will all be part of the Davis Cup team and they will take on Spain in November. And the Wallaby Spring Tour starts on Sunday against Scotland uh, in Edinburgh uh, at Murray Field. So just some of the other news that's bubbling around. But if you'd like to have a dig at someone, you can. Don't dig blind. Lodge a free dial before you dig. Inquiry every time. And just quickly, Adam Zampa is out of the Australian team for tonight's match after testing positive to COVID. A local, Aston Agar, has been named as his replacement. Yeah, well, that's a pretty good selection. One double three eight eighty two. Back to your calls after this. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Well, what I can tell you is that uh, under the Duckworth-Lewis method, um, the Brisbane Heat have won by five wickets, so they've got the job done. They don't even have to go back onto the field. Uh, Sydney Thunder made seven for one, 39 off their 20 overs, and in reply, Brisbane Heat were five for 120 when play was halted, and uh, essentially they have uh, been given the chocolate. So a victory for the Brisbane Heat tonight in the only WBBL match that has been played today. Uh, Skate with the upcoming match, we had a chat to Tom Moody off the top. Um, if the Aussies lose this, there is probably no chance of them actually being part of uh, the World Cup uh, finals. Um, they pretty much from here on in, uh, by the looks of it, will need to win every single game that they play. And they must be meeting a side like Sri Lanka, who actually struggled to qualify in the first place. Yeah, I had a look at the pitch that's uh, on offer at Perth Stadium. There's a nice green tinge to it. So I'd suspect there's going to be pace. There'll be bounce. Uh, very much suitable to the Australian fast bowling um, cartel that goes into battle against Sri Lanka. And look, I think that's where they'll be able to get the better of, of the visitors in that department. And look, I think the Australians will win. But as Tom Moody suggested, it is a habit, sport, winning, losing. At the moment, the Aussies just haven't got their mojo. So they're a fair way off what we saw at the last World Cup where they just built and built. They're uh, a long way off that. And uh, other nations such as, well, England, been very impressed with them, of course, India on the weekend. And look, Pakistan, to be fair, they still, to me, loom as a side that can, can cause some damage uh, once they, they get their team up and running. Barber didn't uh, get away on the weekend, so I think they, they've got a big upside as well. If you've just joined us, Adam Zampa uh, tested positive to COVID. Ashton Agar has taken his spot. And interestingly, the Aussies have won the toss elected to bowl. So uh, that sort of follows a little bit of the theme that has been sort of set by our Perth Scorchers over their time because they've been the team that's liked to chase, haven't they? Yeah, well, going back, the Scorchers, in my memory, were... A- team that loved to defend and, and get a score of 160, 170 on the board. Maybe a bit different at, uh, at Optus or at Perth Stadium, but certainly at the Wacker, they love to score some runs and then defend with their bowling attack and AJ Ty and Jason Berendorf and, and the likes would come out and, and really put the strangle on the, the opposition. But yeah, Australia, no surprise winning the toss, having a bowl, and look, they'll be looking to make some, some big inroads uh, with the new ball. With some more sport, thanks to KO Sports, so watch the T20 Cricket World Cup on KO Sports. Plenty of other World Cups taking place. We've got the Rugby League World Cup. Um, early this morning it was Tonga over Wales, 32-6. to And the Wallaroos will play England in the Women's Rugby World Cup quarterfinal. That won't happen until Sunday, but our girls are working their way through and progressing nicely there. Uh, with Robert Harvey going back and joining Lenny Hayes and Corey Enright, Ross Lyons being confirmed as their coach, and now with uh, the overseer, uh, the assassinator, Jeff Walsh, who's got a few in his time, but uh, he's the executive general manager of footy. They all kick off on November 1st. Um, 
Are you expecting some big things out of the St Kilda Football Club, given you now have got a fair idea of what their off-field group look like? Well, you'd expect there to be improvement, but I said this the other night, the list that Ross Lyon has inherited compared to what he had at the start of his tenure in his first um, time in place as, as coach is vastly different. The talent there at the moment to me is is not a top four side and they're not a top eight side either. With Look, they started the season well with Brett Ratton. They fell away. We know all that. So I, I still don't have a, a lot of confidence that he can get them quickly back up into contention. So that that's one point. One I'd like to ask you is given uh, what's happened with Chris Fagan at the Brisbane Lions, and he'll return to work tomorrow for the first time since uh, the story about racism broke at the Hawks. Do you anticipate, and, and you may have changed your mind and others may have as well, do you now think that Chris Fagan and Alistair Clarkson will survive as coaches at their respective teams? Well, I hope they do. Look, I, I hope that uh, the the investigation uh, finds them uh, to be clear of what a damning um, allegations that have been levelled at them, um, and yeah, I, I I hope that they 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 both continue. I mean, all the dealings that me personally that I've had with them over our time, whether it be by by way of interview and and how they've come across, you know, at times, yes, they've been you know individuals that have that have shown the emotion that comes with the game but look they're not on their own there um so look i would i would hope that that's how it turns out but obviously we're only at the the start of it and it's really important that they get to um have their their moment to have their say because i think you're innocent until proven guilty right so that's the way it always should be i agree with that i think what is critical in this whole process is there's still a question mark over whether the five families who are uh, putting these allegations forward, whether they are going to come forward and give evidence. Now, whether that's in a public uh, scenario or not, I'm not sure, but I think certainly those who are being accused deserve the right to to hear these allegations in person from, from those that feel aggrieved. So, yeah, that, that to me is a, a very important part of the puzzle, and I can understand some of these First Nations players being very concerned about how this will be perceived amongst the community against football fans and and the backlash, which unfortunately we know uh, comes mostly via social media, but could really damage them personally. And of course, they want the protection of their family. So there is a a balancing act here, but certainly from Fagan and from Clarkson's point of view, I hope they get the hearing and the, the, the time in front of a jury, so to speak, that they deserve. I, I I get the bit that they want to remain silent, but they've already not, unfortunately. Uh, and it's unfortunate that it was um, essentially out in the media before the AFL uh, got an opportunity to actually have some progress on this. Uh, and look, the thing is, is that we don't want it to drag on for months and months and months. Now, the understanding is, is that, that they've set a date for December. Um, now, whether it'll be completed by December is going to be really intriguing. I, I doubt that it will be. There's going to be uh, a fair bit of legal concern, from my point of view anyway. I think that on the back of this, I mean, if, if the allegations aren't proven to be true, then it's going to drag on through the courts because um, do you think that Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan are just going to lay down and and not progress something after their names have already subsequently
subsequently been dragged through the mud. I mean, if it if it's if it's proven to be not true, the allegations, then surely it's going to drag on. It could drag on for years. If it's not guilty, there'll still be a lot of people out there who will say oh, the AFL has managed to to sweep this under the carpet or get a result which favours Clarkson and Fagan. Well, there's no winners out of this. I think that's the bottom line. No one has had their uh, reputation enhanced and and of course for for those that are aggrieved and we don't know whether they are telling the truth or not but we just hope that there's a, a process that is is carried out and uh yeah put it this way the anxiety and the stress for all concerned in this uh, doesn't bear thinking about in a football sense. No, absolutely. Uh, thanks to Bluebet. Bluebet's uh, bet slip integration is now available in the new and improved Same Racer app. Gamble responsibly, 1-800-858-858. I'll tell you what, we didn't squeeze this out of our guest last night. Uh, he did pretty well to keep it under his hat because they had training session and then after that training session, Cara Antonio decides to tell the group that she's pulling the pin. I like to call him tight Lips Trent, because yep. Trent Cooper gave us donuts. But that is why he's a good coach. Yeah, absolutely. We'll come back and we'll have a chat to the lady that announced her retirement last night at the Freo Dockers, Cara Antonio, next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Great to have your company and fantastic to have this young lady on your radio, Cara Antonio, who has retired from the Frio Dockers. Cara, welcome. Nice to have you on the program. Thanks for having me, boys. When did you make the decision? Oh, well, to be honest, I've been uh, after last season, earlier uh, this year, I kind of contemplated it and had it in my mind, I was going to give it up, but um, got my arm twisted and just a love for the game. I wanted to go around one last time and unfortunately sustained that um, bad hammy injury in the pre-season and um, had surgery. But I think, yeah, just um, probably the last four weeks, just been having some conversations with those within the footy club and those closest to me that um, this was probably the right decision with where I'm at, um, you know, physically and just ready to um, take the field one last time on Saturday with the girls, which I'm really uh, looking forward to. Even though you had this in the back of your mind for some time, is there a bit of emotion attached to it? Oh, definitely. It's. Um, I mentioned last night uh, to the girls and uh, the staff when I announced it that, um, you know, it's footy's been in my blood since I was so, so little. You know, I was born with a footy in my hand and, um, you know, for as long as I can remember, I've played it, watched it, and uh, worked in it. So it's a big part of my identity and who I am. So it's um, it's bittersweet, but um, look, I won't be lost to the game. There's, there's no doubt I'll still be hanging around in some form, um, you know, whether that be in the stands or, or what have you. But um, just, yeah, again, um, made the right decision for where I'm at, and um, I'm looking forward to, to celebrating on Saturday. You mentioned having a footy in your hand since you were a little girl and I guess at that stage and even for so many years you wouldn't have dreamt that you could have got uh, an AFLW competition off the ground and, and all the uh, the progress that's been made in female football. No, definitely. I mean, growing up I played footy with the boys for, for as long as I could until I got told I wasn't allowed to play the game anymore and Back then, there wasn't um, a clear pathway for, for young girls and, and females in that space. And I'm really proud to, to be able to um, have played a small part in, in laying those foundations for the next generation coming through. That now uh, there is a clear pathway all the way from Auskick to AFLW for for girls just like their, um, their male counterparts. So, um, yeah, it was a dream come true. 
uh, been picked up by the Fremantle Dockers seven years ago. Um, the captain, to be the inaugural captain, is obviously um, a massive privilege. And, um, again, every time I pull on the jump, I'm, I'm very honoured and, and wear the jumper with pride, which I'll be doing again this Saturday. Now, how's the hammy going? Is the hammy going to get through? <laughs> oh, let's hope so. I've ticked all the boxes. The surgeon's happy with it. The doc's happy inside the physio. So, look, I'm feeling, I said today, I did a bit of media and I'm feeling probably fitter than I've ever been, to be honest. I feel like you're getting, you, you sustain an injury and um, you work twice as hard to get back. So, I'm feeling really fit and healthy, more so mentally, um, just ready to to give it one last crack and, and empty um, the body and, and give it all I can for the team. Given what you've just been through, though, and uh, how long it's taken to get back, uh, you haven't played all season. There's one game to go. You get back for the last game. The last thing you'd need to do is hurt yourself again, surely. I mean, it'd be lovely to go out healthy, wouldn't it, and go and celebrate and have a good night after the season's over. Oh, definitely. I think um, you can't really think about that going into the game. I feel like I've done all the prep and... You know, things happen, but um, I'll just be enjoying having a having a run around with the girls and, and playing my part on game day and, again, enjoying um, what what's to come, life after footy, um, which, again, I'll no doubt be able to enjoy um, and, I suppose, celebrate what I've, my, you know, my career and what I've been able to achieve uh, with family and friends on Saturday, which will be really nice. Chatting with Cara Antonio, who is leaving AFLW footy as a star of the Fremantle Dockers. And I suppose when you look back on your career, uh, you'd have to talk about your first game. And even as a broadcaster, remember that match at Optus Stadium. I think it was Collingwood um, early doors. And, of course, the Derby, RAC uh, Derbies. Uh, those moments and those memories must stand out pretty strongly for you. Oh, definitely. I was um, having a chat to a couple of the girls the other day. Um, about, you know, what my favourite game was to play over the last seven seven seasons. And I can't pinpoint one, but, you know, no, nothing beats the Derby in that Crosstown rivalry. And, um, you know, being able to, to captain the first ever Derby win and out there at Optus was, was pretty special. Um, you know, yeah, as you mentioned, the first ever AFL game at, at Optus against Collingwood where we took the four points. And, um, you know, there's a few other ones that, um, for different reasons that I'll hold close to me forever. So, yeah, it'll be nice to sit back and um, share those memories with those that, that matter um, and those that share them with me um, this weekend. We're pretty old, uh, so we saw you before you even started. And uh, I remember you starring <laughs> for Melbourne in those exhibition games before the AFLW was even a thing. And then, of course, you signed on with Freo, which was fantastic as a marquee player. And uh, you were captain for the first five seasons. You won the goal-kicking award, I reckon. What year was that? Yeah, that was year one, actually. I won the goal-kicking award. Um, that's how much we struggled amid we won the, <laughs> the goal-kicking award. Um, so, yeah, that oh, was good to hit the scoreboard. We, we struggled the first two years, obviously, um, in those first two seasons. But I suppose what, what we've been able to achieve the last five has been been really awesome. And, um, yeah, I've been really fortunate to be involved with such a incredible playing group and, and, and play for such an incredible club. Um, now, yeah, we're just really proud. You've dabbled in coaching, and I've been present in various rooms where uh, you've been interviewed and you've talked, and I think you've been forward line coach for a period of time down there at the Freo Dockers. Any chance that we might see you bob up in a role like that? Oh, who knows? I haven't even had a chance. I, I keep get, getting asked what's, what's next. I haven't even had a chance to soak this in yet. So I think... 
um, post weekend, uh, this weekend and, and post the game. I think I just want to enjoy that first and then we'll have a, have a look at what's next. But I mean, I'm a, I'm a school teacher and I, lo- I love my job to death. So I'm not giving that up anytime soon. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the near future. And Cara, uh, your coach last night, we spoke to him and he was, uh, not giving too much away. Did, did it come as, how did you keep this under wraps or just to talk us through, was there any espionage or, uh, undercover just to keep, make sure that didn't get out into the uh, general public? Yeah, well, there's only a small handful of people that really knew that I told, um, so yeah, small, there was about three players that knew, um, for a week or so. Obviously, the coach um, and a couple of, um, you know, hierarchy up at the footy club um, and obviously my family. So I didn't tell that many people. So there was a few shocked faces in the room last night, uh, which made it all a bit more emotional probably for them. Um, but, yeah, again, you just have to trust those people that you tell. And um, obviously, they kept the secret pretty well. So I can't fault them in that domain. Yeah, well, your coach was pretty good. We spoke to him last night, and he gave nothing away. So uh, he uh, was very, very good. Thank you very much for your time tonight. Uh, all the best in the future, and good luck in your final game. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Cara Antonio there, retiring AFLW footballer from the Frio Dockers. Game number 47 will be, Skeet. Pity she couldn't just squeeze out three more. Would have been nice to just work the way to 50, but it wasn't to be. I was thinking could have squeezed into a grand final appearance going back a couple of years ago. Might have been four, three years ago now with COVID and all the drama there. But look, you can't look back with regret uh, given what she's given to uh, the club and her code. And of course, she's got a career in teaching that I'm sure she's going to get her teeth into now as well. We're counting down to the match getting underway between Australia and Sri Lanka here at Perth Stadium. Thanks to Bluebet. Bluebet's bet slip integration is now available on the new and improved Same Racer app. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. Stay with us after the the break will tell you what's coming up after the seven o'clock news next. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Well, the national anthems have been sung as they build up to the first ball, which uh, will be bowled um, during our 7 o'clock news here on 882 6BR. Thanks to Kia, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage Cars of the Year. Adam Zampa out due to COVID. Ashton Agar is the man that has come into the side. Earlier tonight in the WBBL, Brisbane Heat defeated the Sydney Thunder under the Duckworth-Lewis system. Rain wreaking havoc around the country as it continues to uh, do that in a lot of different markets, but they've got that job done there by five wickets. Chris Fagan will return to work tomorrow at the Brisbane Lions, their coach. Uh, we've uh, also seen the statement from Alistair Clarkson that he is very happy that he is able to now tell his side of the story. And Robert Harvey, a bloke that is a star of the St Kilda Football Club returns to his old club as an assistant coach. It's time now for the 882 6PR News. We'll keep you up to date with all of the cricket straight after this. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service for expert car service. Book online at your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. Fantastic to have Elijah Hewitt, a potential AFL draftee, joining us here on the program. Elijah, welcome, mate. How are you going? Yeah, really good, really good. Thanks for having me on, Jan. Appreciate it a lot. Uh, what's, uh, well, the off-season for you at the moment as we head into a national draft just around the corner. Exciting times for you, mate, and uh, we wish you luck in that. But what have you been up to uh, since the season finished? It's a funny one, I guess. You're, you're pretty consumed um, in season with football, so to step out of that is, is um, yeah, quite a challenge to, to find your way. And 
So I've been um, quite quite blessed. I've got a decent balance in uni and work, um, and also been playing quite a bit of golf outside of that. Um, also being able to catch up on a on a bit of friend time and, and see some mates and family, which I you know I'm a bit restricted to during season. So it's been a great period and um, recharging my batteries and you know getting ready to start my pre-season and crack onto it. What about the AFL draft combine? Uh, what did you and I think there were 12 West Aussies who went across for that? Mm, yeah, no, there was um, quite a few. So we, uh, we we prepped really straight after the season, finished, finished my season um, quite early on, didn't make finals. So um, basically had a couple of days off and, and started training again. And it's quite intense, you know, at the end of the season, you, you probably want to give your body a break, but went straight back into it and, and trained real hard and, you know, had some goals for the 2K and, um, yeah, I think I, I, you know, hit the ground running and, and thought I did quite well um, over over in Melbourne with the combine. Uh, did, did quite well in the agility, I came third and, um had some good results for the vertical and the 20 and the and the 2K as well. For all of those of us that are tuned in tonight, uh, what's your background, mate? Where have you where have you grown up and where have you strutted your stuff until this point? Yeah, so um, I was actually born out in Kalamunda. I was there for a few years and then, yeah, as I started to get a bit older, we moved out to the Vines. So I was out in Swan Valley for a bit. I uh, went to Guildford Grammar when I was in year two. And went all the way up to uh, year 11 and moved to Scotch College and moved across the city over to Claremont as well. So it um, was an exciting time in my life and, and had a great year 12 season um, over, at, over at Scotch. Academically, it was great. And then was able to win the, the PSA Premiership and also win a college premiership. So it was a great transition and um, absolutely loved it. Yeah, look at Carl just, uh, just puffing his chest out when you mentioned Guilford Grammar. He's an old Guilford well, Grammar boy. It sounds like he took off when the girls <laughs> arrived, Elijah. Is that right? Is, is that what you decided to do? You bailed out then and went yeah. to Scotch? No, far from it. But I, I do love the, the old boys. It's um, one of the, yeah, absolutely loved it. Absolutely. You've, uh, you've managed to find your way through, of course, the, the system and, and trained with the West Coast Eagles uh, this year. Can you talk us through that experience? Yeah, no, it was great. Um, we were... Got the got the call early on um, about potentially training them, so I was quite excited. Uh, myself, Buzzy, and well, Joe Boslinger, Sam Gilby. So yeah, we we took the opportunity with two hands. Went down every Tuesday, um, consecutive weeks for about four weeks, just because of COVID, they had some problems, so we were restricted. But we we're able to get in there and and see kind of what the life was like day in the life. This was in the preseason, so kind of see their preparation, how they went about their their gym and their um. And they're training. Obviously, a few boys at that point were sidelined with injuries. Um, but, you know, it was great to see how they went about it, meet some of the boys, chat to them. Um, so it was a great experience and, and walked away better from it. You've been talked up as a top 10. Um, do you try and ignore that hype? And obviously, there are expectations that the outside uh, world puts on you, and there are some that you put internally. So how do you, you juggle the emotions of, of what's to come at the end of November? Yeah, I guess it's... Um, it's, you know, uncharted territory right now. I haven't experienced it yet, and I know the, the pressure's going to come, and there's been pressure all season, really. Um, but, you know, I don't think that will amount to the pressure I put on myself um, to, to achieve um, certain goals. So, you know, I'm, I'm awaiting the, the prospect of um, the draft and, and seeing whatever happens there, but I'm just super excited to whatever happens, wherever I land, um, get hit the ground running and, and get a great preseason and see what the future holds. But... You know, it is quite a, a stressful period for a lot of players, but I think um, when you come back to it, you, you try and avoid all the social media and all that stuff, and you, you realise, you remember why you play it, why you play the great game, and um, it, you know, keeps you grounded, and you, you really realise you love the game, and um, just, yeah, it's just a really great opportunity 
um, the draft to, to show some of the talent around the country. If you've just joined us, Elijah Hewitt is the young man we're having a chat to. Very talented young footballer and uh, aspiring to be picked up in the AFL draft. Who have you grown up barracking for, mate? Anybody? No, I haven't, funny enough. My whole family goes to Eagles. Uh, but as a kid, I was a, a baseball player and that's all I ever wanted to do. So I wasn't that fixated on, on AFL um, until you know, I hit about 15 and I had to make a decision and decide to play uh, football. So, yeah, I, I was a bit late on picking up a team, but I guess with the fact I was in WR and my whole family watched Eagles, it was what shot of the Eagles, but, you know, that was kind of the, the Richmond dynasty period. So I, I loved Dusty Martin and, and watched a lot of Richmond, so probably between the two teams. And being a midfielder, obviously, uh, looking to, to rack up some numbers and, and use the footy well. When it comes to your experience, Swan District's uh, premiership in the Colts, that was terrific watching that match uh, a season or two ago. And, of course, some, some senior footy. How much benefit do you think you get from having played some uh, time in the middle against uh, mature-aged men? Yeah, definitely. It's um, put me on the front foot, I reckon. It's such a different game when you're playing at the under-18 level and then trying to step up and play league football. Um, I, I learned, you know, fairly quickly on um, it's going to be a change in pace. The running is, you know, a full full level above. Got some great runners in the waffle like Ben and Woods and a lot of these guys who, um, yeah, really drive their legs and, and you're, you've got to be able to keep up. And I made that um, a standpoint for my game, especially in this preseason, which I'm going to work on, um, yeah, coming to next season. So I think, yeah, with the aspect of, of running, but also the, the physical aspect, which is probably going to be even another step up from the waffle. Um, but, you know, the, these things uh, take time and you, you just be patient, put the work in and, and hope that the results will come. Uh, have you got a plan for draft night, mate? Uh, or have you got the ticket yet? Have you been invited? Uh, do you know what's going to unfold here? No, I don't know as of right now. Um, I, I was told the, the invites are coming out soon or they might be coming out one by one and we'll see, but I haven't got anything yet, but... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. It really, really shouldn't affect the way I approach the draft. Um, but if I was able to head over there for the night, it'd be great. Guess we'll see in the coming days. Mate, as an old uh, old boy like Carl and myself, we'll be sitting by the letterbox every day, but uh, you're far too calm and collected for that. Uh, we wish you all the very best, young man. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us. We, and, of course, it's a huge few weeks for you and so many West Australians, and uh, we hope you find a home at an AFL club. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Jen. Appreciate your time. Elijah Hewitt here on Sports Day and you can rely on your local Repco authorised service centre. Now the cricket is underway and the first over I must say was tight and fast by Hazelwood. Um, no wicket for two for him. Second over, uh, top edge went over the slips for four and then a pull shot was attempted by Mendes, went straight up uh, up in the air and uh, a good catch was taken by Mitch Marsh. So all of a sudden the score is one for six after two overs. And the uh, third over, which is still underway from Hazelwood, has been a little bit erratic. Uh, got taken for four off uh, the second delivery, just bowled a wide and currently Sri Lanka one for 15. So after a slow start, uh, they're starting to get underway. There's an appeal down leg side and it's been called another wide. So this is going to be an old eight ball over bowled by Joshy Hazelwood. So gone a bit astray in this third over for the Aussies. Sri Lanka one for 16. As we clear a break on the other side, Amy Edgar from our Perth Glory will join us next. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, Drive Car of the Year. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day, and we are joined by Amy Edgar from our Perth Scorchers. Welcome, Amy. How are you? 
I'm well. How are you? Yeah, going really well indeed. Uh, you're sitting on top of uh, the WBBL table. Uh, lost uh, your last game before you had the washout on the weekend, but started the season uh, pretty much where you left off previously as defending champions. Yeah, no, it was a great start to the season in Sydney. Um, and then we were able to back that up here at home, our first game at the Waka uh, with a win. Um, and then, yeah, unfortunately... Results in Galway and a bit of weather around. Um, but, yeah, hopefully uh, we can uh, keep pushing on and, and get another couple of wins up in Brisbane. It's one of those forms of cricket, isn't it, where you can uh, have a streak of form and then uh, it just falls apart in one game. Or maybe a, a five to seven over spell, but you just don't get things go your way. So it's part of parcel of T20 cricket in many ways. Absolutely. Uh, momentum is a big thing in T20 cricket, um, and it's it's always great when it's on your side, but as you said, it can change very quickly. Um, and, yeah, even, even during the one game, there could be, you know, three to four momentum shifts, and um, hopefully we're on the, on the winning side of those. Have you since, given, as Carl mentioned, the success you had last season, and it's like any sport where the team that wins a championship or a title or a premiership, Every other side is gunning for you the next year. Is that how it feels at the moment? Uh, not really, to be honest. We kind of spoke about it at the start of the year. Um, it's sort of not really ours to defend. You know, everybody was starting from zero this year. Um, and, you know, there's a, um, all teams have different uh, personnel, different coaches, different uh, players. So, um, yeah, we almost look at it as we're starting from zero um, as as the same as everybody else in the competition is. Um, and, yeah, we're just looking to keep pushing on and get uh, get some wins on the board and then hopefully make finals and see what we can do from there. When it comes to the players that you've been able to attract and Marazan Cap and you think about Sophie Devine and the impact that they've had on the team, uh, they are significant players. Beth Mooney's obviously another one who has uh, has been a really important player for you. It, it's uh, yep. for the growth and development of the younger players in the team. Uh, to have those experienced campaigners around you must be of great benefit. It's absolutely awesome. Um, yeah, like I was only thinking, we had a training session today at the Wacker and I was only thinking that, um, you know, I was, I was in the nets facing Sophie Devine and uh, Marathon Cup and then our WA opening bowler, Tino Peschel as well. So um, three world-class bowlers there. And, yeah, it's kind of a, a bit of a pinch-yourself moment um, facing those sorts of, of bowlers in uh, just at training in the nets, let alone in the game. So uh, they bring a wealth of experience to our team. And, yeah, it's great for, uh, for our younger players uh, to learn off them. And from a learning perspective and a sponge, as so many people call it, you, I'm sure there are times where you, you love just to hear about their experiences or what they can bring to the table and advice in the nets. Is that something that the younger players, I mean, you're only, what, 24 from what I see. There's still so much yep. to, to learn in this, this sport. It's changing so rapidly, T20 cricket. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I'm a big believer. I think you can always learn whether you've played one game or, or 100 games. Um, there's still things to learn um, and obviously everybody has a different experience um, on cricket and obviously you know we've got the internationals as you say so they've been playing international cricket for a long time um, so they've also got um, you know different experiences um, from them so yeah as you say it's, it's just awesome to learn from them and be a sponge and um, yeah try and take some of what they do into into your own game. Now, when it comes to your influence on the team, uh, spin bowling and a good batter as well, um, what do you reckon at the moment? As, as the all-rounder, better at bowling, better at batting, what do you reckon? 
Oh, I'm probably still better at batting, I would say. Um, my bowling's coming along quite nicely, actually. Um, been lucky enough to work with our WA head coach, uh, Becky Grundy, and she's also our assistant um, a world-class spinner in her own right um, when she was playing. So, yeah, been really lucky to work with her recently. And, um, yeah, it's coming along nicely, and hopefully I can uh, can make a bit of an impact with the ball as well. And, of course, you jump on a plane in the next couple of days across to the Allen Border Field uh, to take on the Strikers. Uh, that's a challenge away from home and one I'm sure you can't wait to get back out there after a loss and a washed-out match. Yeah, I think uh, that's that's what's so great about the WBBL. Um, there's always a game around the corner. Um, if things don't go your way, so yeah, we've got another opportunity on Friday to to turn our results around, um, and then we back up again on Saturday against against the Heat. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Now, what about uh, the more recent Pride Party games? And uh, you had uh, became just the second Big Bash team to host a Pride match, uh, albeit, of course, given the circumstances. The Sydney Sixers have held the annual Pride Party game since 2019. But uh, how has that been accepted and received and promoted amongst the group? And uh, I'm sure it's something that is uh, you'd like to, to make it an annual event. Yeah, I, I think it, um, although, although we had the kind of the washouts that kind of um, washed it out a little bit, um, it's been really well, well received um, within our group and I think within the wider community as well. Um, and like you say, I, I hope it becomes a normal event, which I think we will hopefully um, do, um, and, then, and then potentially even across uh, the whole competition. But, yeah, this, the Sixers have obviously had their, um, their pride match as well for the last couple of years, so I hope um, a few other teams jump on board as well. And I know Sophie Devine, uh, the original headband challenge, which she uh, has pretty close to her heart, raised more than $15,000 for various charities. Have you got a, uh, an interest in that as well? Uh, well, she's brought, I don't know if you've seen, she's brought in a new one for this year, the, the Wicket Charity Challenge. Yep, um, yep. So we've, we've seen a few different uh, Wicket celebrations for a few different people, and I think um, a few within our team have still got a few more up their sleeves, so... Hopefully we'll uh, we'll see a few of those come out in the next few games. Good luck. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate your time. Take care and good luck uh, for the game upcoming. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. So fantastic to have a chat to Amy Edgar there from our Perth Scorchers. Get behind the Perth Wildcats this season. You head to ticketech.com.au right now. Uh, in the cricket, uh, at the moment, five overs bowled, one for 25. Sri Lanka struggling to get our quicks away after the pour over in the uh, third over of the innings by Hazelwood where they were able to take 10 runs. Uh, Cummins hit back. One for 22, it was after the fourth over and uh, Mitch Stark just been introduced into the attack. He just bowled the fifth over of the innings and uh, he ended up only conceding three runs as Hazelwood comes back in at the opposite end of uh, the Perth Stadium tonight. So one for 25 currently is the score. Just repeating the news, Adam Zampa out due to COVID and Ashton Agar was his late replacement. We'll get into our chat with our NFL expert next, Josh Y here on Sports. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, drive car of the year. Guys, have your company here on Sports Day, and fantastic to have this man back on the radio. I'll tell you what, the weeks goes uh, past so fast. Uh, Josh Wise, the man we're talking about, NFL expert, and he joins us here on Sports Day. Josh, welcome, mate. How are you? Yeah, really well, and I agree. It is going fast, and we're nearly at the halfway point already. It feels like yesterday we are talking about week one. 
Absolutely. Let's throw a couple of names at you. Tom Brady held to three points as the Buccaneers lost a surprise uh, match against the Panthers. And I guess some people will start asking about his off-field dramas on that front. Uh, Conversely, WA's Mitch Wichnowski is uh, punting up a storm for the 49ers. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Wichnowski is having a a fantastic year. He's even slotted a couple of extra points uh, when they're when their kicker went down the 49ers a couple of weeks back, so showing he's a jack of all trades. But as as for Brady, I mean, I'll stick to on the field, and um, he's definitely regressing a little bit. Um, part of that is his own performance, and I think a part of that, or a big part of it, is um, the offensive line issues. He's a QB that relies on a lot of time in the pocket and a lot of separation. He's never never really been the thread the needle, deep bomb type of quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's more of a guy that um, he needs a lot of stuff around him to work and, and get into a good rhythm, and that's how he gets into a lot of his games. So um, that, that might come later in the year as they get healthier, but um, at the moment it's, it's looking grim. Mentioned the 49ers and the Chiefs, and we know they've got Mahomes, and we know they can rack up numbers, but uh, is this the team that, you know, if they play to their optimum offensively, they're going to be tough to stop again? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the 49ers um, statistically were the number one defense in the league heading into that game and the Chiefs dropped 44 points on them. So, um, you know, when they hit their ceiling, I don't know what their ceiling is. Uh, and that's that's something that's quite scary. I know they, they lost the Bills last week and, and they didn't quite play as good as they did against the 49ers. But uh, I think Andy will have a few things up his sleeve for, for when they do face the Bills again, if, if they face the Bills again um, in the playoffs. But... Uh, yeah, I think we're heading down a very likely path that we get Bills Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, and if it's anything like the previous matchups, we're in for a good one. Now, Josh, I played uh, against a bloke by the name of Dustin Fletcher, who's a great for the Essendon Football Club, and he was renowned for kicking a big spiral out from full back. He had this uh, uncanny knack of being able to be one of the very few in AFL footy during his time to actually launch him long. And, well, his, uh, his young bloke, Mason, has set a new college football record in the US on Saturday. He's booted one 84 yards, they believe. Oh my lord! I have ne- I must have missed that one on Sunday. I'll have to go back and 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 look up the uh, the video footage of that one. I'm sure Pat McAfee was probably getting around it as well, um, being the punting fan that he is. But that <laughs> that's um, that's that's pretty absurd. So uh, if he, he keeps racking up um, kicks like that, uh, he'll he'll definitely be drafted in the NFL because um, that's an that's an elite kick that. Well, I can tell you this, that uh, the punt uh, was less than five yards out from his own end zone, and it was in the opening term uh, of the Cincinnati uh, Bearcats, uh, and that was their win over the Mustangs. So uh, not bad, mate. He's almost booted at the length of the field. It's a good way to to flip the field. You know, that's what you're asked to do. Uh, I don't think you can flip a field much better than that. That's, uh, That's pretty spot on. I think you could take the rest of the night off after doing a kick like that. Okay, let's turn our attention to one of the surprise packets of this season thus far, the Giants, New York Giants, 6-1. and one. Uh, What are they doing so well to give themselves a chance to return to the playoffs? Yeah, I think number one coaching overall, Brian Dable is, is a really great head coach and the difference between him and Joe Judge last season is, is completely night and day different and um, in terms of play calling and situational football and, and all that sort of stuff. And then just working with Daniel Jones. Uh, he's shown uh, a lot of improvement year on year 
already, despite all the injuries they have at wide receiver. He's playing some of his best best football. They're just putting him in good situations, getting the ball out early, um, not not overcomplicating things, utilizing his legs and, and converting first downs. And um, they seem to just click into gear in the third and fourth quarter and, and come from behind and get these get these wins. So statistically and, and looking at all the analytics, they're not a very pretty team, but um, you have to admire the the six and one record and and I think, you know, they only need to win sort of three or four more games and they're probably uh, likely in the in a week NFC um qualify for the playoffs. Conversely, what's going on with the Green Bay Packers? Aaron Rodgers, we know he's such an established quarterback, and if he plays next season, guaranteed $60 million, but they're three and four. Is there a hole that they're in that they can get out of? Yeah, this one's probably more perplexing than than the Brady situation. And, you know, we've seen a lot of footage of Brady sort of, you know, fired up and angry on the sideline, and I think Aaron Rodgers' body language is even worse than that. He just looks defeated and deflated and... Um, he's got a thumb injury as well at the moment, which is which isn't helping. But you know, after they traded Devontae Adams, a lot of the pressure was on who was going to step up and make plays for them. But you know, every time the, the the game cut to them on red zone, you just saw another Packers receiver making a drop or Aaron just missing a throw a little bit. The timings all out, and and the defense, unfortunately, despite having some big names on, on up front and in the secondary, are just not making plays, not making tackles, and. And yeah, it's just all falling apart at the moment. So I, I don't know where the uh, where the line in the sand's drawn because they get, they face uh, another buzzsaw in Buffalo next week. So you know they could get uh, they could get a smashing with Buffalo coming off the bye. And a slightly lighter note. Well, it looks light on paper anyway. The referee is being or referees being investigated for asking Tampa Bay's Mike Evans for an autograph post game. That is uh, unusual to say the least. Yeah, very, very, very strange. Uh, I've never, <laughs> never seen that um, before. It could be completely harmless, but it, you know the optics are not great. Uh, so, wasn't the same referee that uh, took a football to the face from Jamal Williams in the Detroit game? So he can't even say, you oh, know, I was a bit concussed or anything like that. So it's a poor decision making. So it'll be interesting to see what the NFL finds from it. I'm sure it's completely innocent, but yeah, it's, it's not a very great look. Hey, Josh, thanks for your time, mate. Go check out that punt, mate, all right? Uh, you'll enjoy it. Uh, have a chat to you next week. Yep. Sounds good, guys. Cheers. Good on you. Josh Wire here on Sports Day, NFL expert. Nice to have him on the program here on Sports Day. Uh, that's a fair kick, isn't it? Absolutely. Now, did he have the breeze? Did he have a gale? Either way, it's in the book. It's there. Who cares, Scoot? Uh, it was a beautiful kick. Uh, thanks to Barbecues Galore, go to iCanWin.com.au to win a Ziggy by Ziggler and Brown barbecue this summer. That's all you've got to do. Go to iCanWin.com.au. Sri Lanka have just made their 58 overs bold. Uh, Stoinis bowling that over. Uh, he took no wicket for seven and Sri Lanka won for 50. Run rate about 6.25. Lost the early wicket in the second over. That was caught off a top edge. Uh, that was Mendes, the player out uh, off the bowling of Cummins, caught by Mitch Marsh. So they've got on track pretty well. But uh, still, I think in the early stages, the Aussie bowlers are on top. We'll clear a commitment come back on the other side. Michael Laminato with Motorsport and Formula One more particularly will join us next. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day, and it is motorsport time. Formula One journalist is Michael Laminato, and he joins us here on the program. Welcome, Michael. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're going really well. Now, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, where is he going to end up? What's the latest? Is he done and dusted for 2023? 
Uh, he, well, yes, he is for a race seat. Get to get straight down to business, absolutely. There are no race seats available to him unless something really absolutely shocking happens in the driver market. But what, of course, we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks is that he does seem to be, and he's becoming more open about talking about this, seem to be open to a reserve drive at one of the top teams, of course, because if you don't want to race for one of the midfield teams, you're probably not going to want to sit on the sidelines as a reserve driver for them. And the question is now, which one of those teams he'll end up with? The hot tip remains Mercedes. It is of a, I don't want to say an illogical situation to begin with becoming a reserve driver, but of not an ideal situation. That is the least not ideal among them because it is a front runner. They're probably going to be back to the front next year. And it is the only one of the top three that has a contract up for renewal at the end of the next year, that being Lewis Hamilton. Even if he says he wants to continue well, it is an opening. There has been a rumor in the last week that it could be Red Bull, his old team that he chose to leave because he didn't feel like there was any place for any other driver other than Max Verstappen there. That still seems quite unlikely, but I do wonder whether that is part of maybe negotiation processes about what's going to happen next. I think the bottom line is it's really up for him to go out and seek what it is exactly that he wants because I think the fundamental, not as a problem, but the fundamental thing to overcome here is just ensuring he knows what he wants to get out of next year because, of course, it wasn't top of his list to be out of Formula 1. Now it's up to him to figure out what he wants to do next. Yeah, finishing 16th at the US Grand Prix. He was quite emotional in the interview post-race, and it's been an a ordinary uh, time at McLaren for him. So hopefully he finds uh, some solace and a, a nice place to, to c- correct his career in 2023. Max Verstappen, mind you, won his 13th race of the season uh, over there at the US, which was a, an outstanding performance from him. It was, and that equals the record for most wins in a season, jointly held at the moment by Sebastian Vettel and Michael Schumacher, and now Max Verstappen, and with three races to go, you'd think he's probably pretty good off to break that record. Suddenly, it looks like an extremely dominant season, doesn't it, after a more competitive first half of the year. And to be fair, we've had some great races, including this weekend's in the U.S. Grand Prix, where even though, yes, he won again, uh, he really had to go out and get it, partly because of mistakes from his own uh, pit crew, there was a wheel gun failure that dropped him from first to third, had to do some taking, imagine that, to win the race. Uh, but also because Mercedes was just competitive enough to go out there and try to punish Red Bull for those mistakes. One of the few times this year they have been quick enough, and that is sort of part of the story. Of course, the big story was Red Bull winning the Constructors title, their first since 2013, but the other is that maybe they won't have things all their own way next year, because if you look at just the results as they are, well, you might be worried and thinking that next year is going to be a very straightforward, dominant season for Red Bull. Mercedes suddenly feels really confident that they've figured out what's wrong with their car and they won't make the same mistake again next year, and if that's the case then we could be diving straight back into what we left off last year, the Red Bull versus Mercedes battle, maybe with Ferrari in there as well. So I guess the advice probably to Red Bull and Max Verstappen is to really soak this one up. Of course, they've got cost cap uh, troubles possibly on the horizon as well because it may not last quite in this format anyway forever. Michael, just on that Red Bull Constructors' Championship victory, is it purely a financial Windfall for them? Are there other elements that you can tell us might be beneficial to them moving forward? The only other beneficial aspect of winning the constructor standing in position in the pit lane, you tend to get what is sort of judged whether it be the better end, whether it be the start or the end. Weirdly enough, it's actually otherwise, I mean, obviously you want to win the championship, 
it's actually otherwise detrimental because not only do you have to pay more to enter the championship based on how many points you score, but you also, kind of like the draft in the AFL, you get less wind tunnel time the higher up mm. in the championship you finish. So they actually are going to be working with a little bit less than everyone else next year as a result of winning the championship. But, of course, that is the point at the end of the day. And I guess I think it is, of course, if you win the championship, you're probably on a little bit of a roll anyway, and you maybe don't need that extra wind tunnel time. But otherwise, that does just mean they have to work a little bit harder next year. The FIA have banned that dual race control or race director set up after that Japanese debacle. Good move? Uh, I think it, it is a necessary move. Partly it's because, I mean, even to begin with, they're lacking experience in race control. It's been pretty controversial for a lot of the year. A lot of drivers have been hitting out in quite a big way against some of the decisions made by race control and the stewards as well. And that's partly because there's just a lack of experience in the race directorship at the moment. Now, that's because, of course, they sacked Michael Massey over the off-season and he himself had only been in the role for a few years. The two guys they've replaced him with, and they replaced him with two people because they found the reason Michael Massey made the mistake in Abu Dhabi was because he was so badly overworked. So they replaced him with two, but neither of them had ever worked in Formula One before. And as a result, we've had this situation where a lot of penalties have felt a little bit uh, inconsistent and a little bit chaotic at times. And it sort of culminated in what we saw in Japan. We had that truck on track during those terrible wet conditions and drivers couldn't even see. It was really quite a dangerous situation. So as a result, they've decided to simplify it back again, essentially to the way it was, ahead of other changes next year. But there's always something to complain about in Formula 1 when it comes to regulations and the stewarding and, of course, race control. So whether or not it absolutely satisfies the drivers is another question. But I think it was a move they were inevitably going to make, and they have made it now. Michael, uh, we talked about Red Bull, and the win comes, I suppose, bittersweet and a lot of sadness around the team uh, after owner Dietrich Meitschitz died uh, only, what, a day or two beforehand. Yeah, he died. I think it was on uh, qualifying day, so a bit of a shock, unfortunately, for everyone to wake up to and cope with there because he... He's one of the, or has been one of the quietly influential people in Formula One. You extremely rarely see him. He'd really only turn up to his home Austrian Grand Prix, the track he owns, one of the many things he has achieved in Formula One. And occasionally at the odd other race, never really gave interviews, but owned two Formula One teams, has sponsored countless athletes, not just in motorsport. I mean, you could pick almost any sport and you'll be able to find a a Red Bull-backed athlete, particularly if it's an extreme sport or a sport which you have to go very quickly. Uh, He's backed two world champions in Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, a bunch of race winners, Daniel Ricciardo, Carlos Sainz, uh, among so many other drivers who have made their way through Formula One. And as a result of that investment, he's often actually had a a bit of a hand in directing the way the sport's gone. You know, Red Bull's had, I don't want to say preferential treatment because that makes it sound underhanded, but it's often been dealt with pretty well by the Formula One organization over the years, partly because Dietrich's invested so much in the sport and also did it really the right way. You know, it's not unusual for, let's say, really rich people to rock up in Formula One and think they're going to be able to to run the show. I think that's going to be a big test, for example, at Aston Martin, where Lawrence Stroll sometimes feels like he's a little bit too hands-on. But Dietrich Mateschitz loved motorsport, but recognised it wasn't his thing. Put people in, in charge to make all the right decisions. Christian Horner's been a team principal at Red Bull for ages. He's got kind of his right man, right-hand man. Helmut Marko runs the driver side of things. And they've been allowed to put in place what's an extremely successful team. Really, it's only existed since the early 2000s. There's already won uh, well, five Constructors' Championships now, and seven drivers team or six drivers championships, I should say. It's incredibly successful. So that alone is his legacy. It's a weirdly quiet legacy, but one that's certainly not going to be forgotten.
Uh, and lastly, mate, before we let you go, uh, Jack Doohan could get his first spin in a modern F1 machinery this weekend. Some practice at Mexico. That is being reported, yes. Alpine has only two, well, I have, they have to have two rookie practice sessions before the end of the year. There are only three rounds left, and no one's going to do it in Brazil because it's a sprint round. You only get one practice session rather, essentially, than the, the usual three. They've got to use them. We've got Mexico coming up this weekend, Abu Dhabi at the end of the year, and Jack Dewan is the most senior Alpine junior at the moment, of course, because Oscar Piastri, well, he is technically still there, but no, well, no one wants to talk to him, I suppose, because he's going to McLaren. And it's a great sign for Jack because he's really done quite well in F2 this year. He's sort of been a little bit of a quiet achiever. Next year, Alpine really wants to push him to try and win the championship. He could finish as high as third this year. He's currently fourth. It's not a massive leap, but it will really be on him to achieve that. And if he does win it, he can't compete in F2 again. And that kind of obviously also suggests he should be in Formula One. And then it'll be up to Alpine, of course, to find him a seat, something they haven't historically been all that good at with their junior drivers. But nonetheless, it is a great moment where we might be on the cusp of having more than one Australian in Formula One. None would just be incredible, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be, Michael. Thank you very much for your time tonight. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Michael Laminato there, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage Cars of the Year. Midway point of the inning, Sri Lanka 1-4-63 right now. Stoinis has ball in hand. Uh, they just take a single, so 1-for-64 Sri Lanka there. Nisanka and De Silva at the crease after losing the early wicket of Mendes in the second over. The wicket taker is Pat Cummins. He's bowled two overs, has 1-4-10. So looking forward to that as it continues to unfold. Uh, the uh, great John Inverarity is nominated for the board at the Wacker, so be interested to see whether he gets selected there. I'd suggest that from the members he would be very, very popular indeed. So that is one move that has been made tonight. Speaking of moves, uh, we have seen that Chris Fagan has been announced as returning to the Brisbane Lions. He will return tomorrow as their coach, and Alistair Clarkson has also uh, been very open in his uh, admiration for getting an opportunity to speak when it comes to the investigation which is being conducted by the AFL. We'll clear a break. On the other side, we'll come back and have a chat to a man by the name of Johnny Slavich. He's one of our best lawn bowlers in this state. We'll have a chat to him next. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Barrett Day's green to green because the little things are everything. Johnny Slavich joins us. Gun lawn bowler. Welcome, mate. Cheers, boys. How are we all doing? Yeah, we're going well. You've been having a roll? Yeah, chucking a few down every now and then. Um, getting ready for uh, this week's play, so I'm uh, looking forward to it. Let's see a couple of the main storylines for the next week or so. The State Fours. Can you just update us on that, Johnny? Yeah, look, uh, Saturday and Sunday, um, the State Fours did commence uh, multiple venues around the state, and we're down to the quarterfinals, both in the men's and the ladies. Got a couple of Rippers games straight up there with uh, Kyle McCoy taking on John Carter. That'll be a great one to watch. And also Shane Loftus against Daniel Tuella. Uh, another one was Justin Opie versus uh, Joe McGinley. Uh, Justin's pretty much been very successful over the past uh, three or four months, so he's looking to probably consolidate that number one spot bowler in WA at the moment. And in the ladies, we've got Lara Mertz, uh, taking on Jenny Bruce and uh, Lisa Featherby, which will be another ripper of a game against Renata Coote. Uh, that concludes this Sunday at the Manning Bowling Club. So you'll be able to watch the men's and ladies' quarters through to the finals. So if you want to get down there and support a lot of the WA's best bowlers, Manning Bowling Club will be the place to be from 9.30 on Sunday. What can we look forward to in the Premier League as we head towards that? 
Yeah, look, we've got round one commencing uh, on Saturday for the men's and Tuesdays for the ladies. Uh, the new guys to the competition, Goggles, have taken on Sorrento. They're the home game, so they'll be looking forward to hopefully trying to get that first aggregate win in um, uh, Premier League. Doubleview take on Mount Lawley, the other newcomers uh, in the league. So Doubleview hosting Mount Lawley, so that should be a ripper of a game. Mount Lawley have done very well over the past two seasons to win the promotion back up into Premier League, I think, for the first time for their little club. And South Perth versus Osmond Park last year's final. The Premiers sorry, um, being uh, South, uh, Manning sorry, versus South Perth. So Manning hopefully to start kick the season off in their title defence. In the ladies, North Beach versus Gozzi's, Mozzie Park and Manning. It's always a ripper game there. And Mundaring versus Safety Bay should be a good one there for the new sides in Premier League for the ladies. And Johnny, give us a bit of an overview of what's coming up event-wise in this great city of ours. Yeah, we've got the Bassendine Men's Masters Triples, which is part of the Bowls WA Dynamic Sublimation uh, Master Series. That is a real big event coming through. They're looking for about three or four more teams to fill that, which commences on the 20th of November with the finals on the 27th. And one for the ladies here, Scarborough Bowling Club are hosting the Marina Personal Funeral Classic Fours. Sponsored, obviously, by Marina Persolo, uh, Friday the 18th, commencing at 10 o'clock. So please get in contact with Scarborough Bowling Club ladies and get your teams in. Good on you, John. Thank you, mate. We'll have a chat to you next week. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Good on you, John Slavich. There, visit your local bolo. Uh, great, uh, you know, environment, cheap drinks, uh, lovely meal. Uh, you can roll up and get some friends, go down there, have a bit of a, a roll up with your friends, and uh, you don't have to get overly dressed up to head down to your local uh, bowling club, the bolo. Uh, thanks to Baron O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. As we get into on this day for Baron O'Day, uh, Scoop, what have you got? Let's go back to 2003. The Wallabies broke several rugby records when they defeated Namibia. 142 to nil in the World Cup. That's right, 142 to nil. It was the first ever rugby test match played in Adelaide. Australia ran in a rugby world record 22 tries. Fullback Chris Latham finished with five tries, a new individual record for Australia in a test. Matty Rogers playing on the wing also set a record for the most conversions in a test for Australia with 16. On this day, thanks to Bower and O'Day, don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Good stuff, Skeet. Now, the second wicket has fallen. Ashton Agar is the wicket taker and Sri Lanka just tipping along slowly right now. Agar only conceding singles off uh, the other four balls that he's bowled so far in this over and uh, Sri Lanka right now are two for 77. Two for 77 in the 12th over. At the moment, only going along at a round of runner ball, which I don't think is going to be enough against the Aussies tonight. The Australians looking to get in the winner's circle after dropping, of course, their first game. Speaking of the winner's circle, the Brisbane Heat were victorious over the Sydney Thunder tonight in the only game of WBBL. Chris Fagan to return to the Brisbane Lions tomorrow. John Inverarity has nominated himself as a board member for the WA Cricket Association. And so much more sport coming your way and looking forward to updating you again tomorrow. But straight after the news that's coming up next, it'll be Todd Johnston with the night shift here on 882 6BR. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.